also have a special guest with us this morning, and his name is Patrick Herzog. Pastor Patrick, along with his wife Amy, pastor a great ch church up in Fergus Falls. It's called Life Church. They actually started serving as associate pastors and youth pastors, and then in the year 2000, they became the senior pastors. Actually, Shelly and I drove past Life Church several times on our way to North Dakota, and every time I drove past it, I thought, man, that's a great-looking building, and I love the church, and there's just, there's just something about that church. Well, come to find out, Pastor Patrick and his wife Amy and ourselves have a lot in common. They attended Raven Bible College just like we did, and uh, over the last couple of years, Pastor Patrick has become a friend. I really appreciate his heart, his vision, his strength of character, and what I like the most is that he's not afraid to lead his church into change, and that's really the mark of a good leader. And that's part of the reason that he's here today. Their church is doing some great things in the Fergus Falls areas, and I told Pastor Patrick, there's just a, there's a good spirit about you, and I, I, there's just something that I appreciate that I think would make a great deposit into our church here at Joy Christian Center, and that's how I always look at guest ministers. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 4, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. It's their responsibility to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This is going to continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. We'll be measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then it's God who makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And each part will do its own special work and help the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so Joy Christian Center, would you please put your hands together and give Pastor Patrick a big hand as he comes to speak and minister the Word of God to us this morning. Wow. My. Well, I didn't know how far $50 went, but that was a good introduction. My, I'd have given him a little more, I guess. That's, well, what a privilege for me to be here. And uh, uh, I hope, as Pastor Brian said, that's, that's what I'm here for, is to hopefully give you something. And uh, um, as he look, said... I forgot that, one other thing. Uh, Pastor Patrick, Pastor Patrick, t turn around here and look. I forgot one other thing. Uh, here at Joy Christian Center, we have, a, we have something special that we do every year that we call Joy to the World. And it's a yearly giving initiative to help us in our generosity. And really, it's our heart to be a blessing to churches and to uh, pastors. And uh, I know that your church is starting another campus in Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, we as a church want to make a deposit into your church and really into what you're doing in Fargo. And in past conversations, you said it would be about a $250,000 investment to get that church up and running and off the ground. And, uh, and so we want to be involved. We want to kind of buy in for 10% of what it is that you're going to be doing. And so we have a check for you from our heart to your heart uh, for $25,000 to help. So go in that place for Christ. God bless you. <laughs> That's bad timing. I am... Oh, wow. You know, Minnesota, the dollar stretches here. It's a good German community, and... Uh, wow. Um, my, my time keeps going here, too, and I, I just did not um, expect that. Thank you. Thank you. You know... Uh, Wow, the, the, the pressure's really on now, and uh, 
Yeah, if we can put a a picture of my family up there, at least you get to see the best parts of me, and uh, that's my clan, and uh, we actually have one more. My second son, Peter, and his wife, Hillary, had a a son uh, late this spring, and they named him Timber. You know, as parents, you have control over naming your own kids, but no control over your grandkids' names. And I said, Timber, well... I said, the good news is I can spell it. <laughs> and I'd not heard that one before, and, uh, and my oldest son has uh, three young... Well, actually, we're missing two of them out of there. So I've got four grandkids and um, seven kids of my own. There's my beautiful wife next to me. She's preaching this morning at our church. And uh, if any of you are old Little House on the Prairie fans, there's an episode that... Um, that Charles is there going through a difficult time and, and uh, need to come up with some money and he's working and his, his daughters are pitching in and, and the, and the uh, title of, this, of that week is uh, The Richest Man in Walnut Grove. And so my kids know this that, uh, and so I want you to know it, that standing in front of you, you might not know this because some people think it's the founder of Amazon, some people think it's the founder of Microsoft, some people think it's the the... Uh, Oracle of Omaha, the richest man in the world is right here. Me. Me. And, and my kids say, Dad, I bet you lots of dads say that. I said, they do, but they're all lying. I'm the only one telling the truth. <laughs> and so that really defines the life that I've had in Jesus Christ. When, when I think about it and driving down here for a couple hours, I had an opportunity just to meditate on the greatness Not just the goodness of God, but the greatness of God. The privilege to be adopted into the family of God, to be involved in the life of God, the work of God, the things that matter to our Father. And uh, and this morning, I hopefully will inspire you, no matter what your situation is, to want to be more engaged in what God is doing in your life, in your community, and uh, and to know this, that, that you... Uh, are doing something significant. I know when, when actually, uh, I don't even know if I ever told Pastor Brian the story, but my wife and I were coming back one time from Minneapolis, and it was a Sunday morning, and even when we're not in church, we think it's good to go to church. And so we had heard of Joy Christian Center, and uh, it was before you put on this part of the church, and so we stopped in for the service, and, uh, and it was packed. And... and uh, and so that was our first introduction, and then now the privilege to get to know Pastor Brian over these last handful of years even closer. Uh, I think there's some similarities, as, as he described. I was reminded, my wife and I and our kids, we, um, I wanted to teach my kids to work. I grew up uh, in Alexandria, and, and, um, uh, and uh, of a, of both my parents were alcoholics. They then later divorced, and and uh, through that process, I came to know Christ through a, a student Bible study. And, and uh, to just think of the difference that we can have when Christ comes into our lives. And uh, I grew up in an athletic family and ended up going down to, to Texas Christian University in Fort Worth to play golf. So I played golf there, and thankfully I was wise enough to get an education too. And I had my degree in accounting and have passed the CPA. And then we went to, to Raymond and then... We moved to Alexander or to Fergus Falls, and we've been there. Uh, we're in our thirtieth year there. Um, and as my kids were growing up, I thought, you know, what? I was sitting in the in the bleachers one Sunday or one 
day watching all three of my, my first three are boys, watching them on the same baseball team, and, and I'm thinking, man, I'm just not sure this is what I want to do. And, and so we ended up uh, buying a place out in the country for the summer, and we started growing strawberries. And uh, hopefully none of you have ever grown strawberries because uh, if you have, you know it is an incredible amount of work. And uh, so the guy who's from the state, uh, the extension office in Minnesota here, he comes and visit, visits us the first year. And he says this, he's, he, says, he says, you know, for every hundred people who start a strawberry farm in Minnesota, in three years there's only four left. I thought, well, that's encouraging. <laughs> but then he said this, and this is what I appreciate. He says, but I think you're going to be one of the four. I said, well, that's nice of you. And uh, thankfully, we were. And I say that to say, this church, you don't know, because uh, and, and maybe you do, but, but a lot of times when you're a part of a church like this, you don't realize that the odds of a church making it very long is not very high. It's kind of like starting a business. Most of them don't make it past the first couple years. And so this church is now, if I understand, in, the, in its 27th year. And that's, a, that's a miracle. You don't know. It's a miracle because if, you, if, if we could quantify, somehow find out how many churches have been started within 15 miles of here the last 27 years, and they don't exist anymore because it's hard. It's difficult. But when God honors you and blesses you, you have a responsibility. We celebrated a couple weeks ago our 40th year as a church. And to me, it's an incredibly sobering thing because um, God must have a plan if we're still moving forward, and so we have to find out what that plan is. I was reminded, I went to TCU, and outside of the business building there, there's a statue of a gentleman named Charles Tandy. Now, that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but, but he was one of the most successful businessmen back in the 70s in early 80s, he had a company called Tandy, which then uh, bought a small company called Radio Shack. And then he developed Radio Shack, and he was the one who kind of was the impetus to get him into a number of different things. And by 1998, Radio Shack was the largest seller of telecommunication products in the world. And at that time, they were selling five computers for every one that Apple was selling. By 2005, it was one of the most, it was the most profitable year it ever ha had had. By 2015, it disappeared. And that's not an uncommon story. We see, you know, we think about a community like this growing up in Alexandria, of course, St. Cloud, Herbergers disappearing. Kind of a sad thing, isn't it? But times change. Things change. We have a responsibility to move forward in the things that God has for us. We know lots of things that, that used to be and are no longer anymore, and we want to find out why is that the case, and then what can we do in our personal lives? Because now being a pastor at the same church for 30 years, I see lots of people who start well. Some go for even five years and 10 years, and some for 15. And then all of a sudden, something happens. They drift, and I'm sure all of us could tell the story of people who used to sit next to us, used to be around us. 
Maybe we're one of those people. Maybe you're one today, and I'm. And if you are, I want to just welcome you. Maybe this is your first time here in this church, or maybe maybe in a church in a long time. God's stirring in your heart to to get back into relationship with Him. But you know what it's like then to have drifted some. So this morning, I want to share from a quick story from Second Chronicles 14, and then start applying some things to maybe practical parts of our life. It's the story of King Asa. And so in chapter 14, verse 2, it says this, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Verse 7, let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. In other words, there's an army that's attacking him. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. And really, I don't know the beginning of this church, but a church that is like this today, it had a beginning and there's a battle in the beginning. And in that battle, we need God to come in and change and come in and do something. I mean, I know I have a good idea what all of this costs. That means a lot of you in this room and others maybe who will be in the next service, you've contributed to make this possible. God gathers a group of people together that without his power, we have nothing. Then it goes on in chapter 15. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Verse 8, when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin, from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. They took an oath to the Lord with a loud acclamation, with shouting, with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. It'd be something if we could quantify all of you in this room, all of the staff members, all the prayer, all the investment to get us to this moment in Joy Christian Center's life. I added this verse just because I think it's such an interesting verse. Verse 16, King Asa also deposed his grandmother. Make her from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah, Asa cut it down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. To get a church to this place, you've had to make difficult decisions at times. I don't know if you've had to depose your grandma before. Hopefully not. But I'm sure there's been difficult decisions to move people around, move people out of positions, Every church is really similar. You know why? Because they have people. We have God. And we have the devil. So we're so much more similar. So we experience the same things. And I think of the difficult times just in our, in our ministry where you had some person who just, for whatever reason, was starting to 
go the wrong direction, influence the wrong direction, and those difficult conversations, as I'm sure it was for King Asa. So in the span of these two, three chapters, it's about 35, 36 years, and Asa had a great beginning. He led the people, and the people responded, and they, they sacrificed, and they surrendered, and they, and they pursued the holiness and the separation that God had. Then verse 16. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Bash, the king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Asa then took the silver and gold of the treasures of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Sometimes... When we go so far in our relationship with God, and for you as a church, you go so far, it's easy to start looking at this level for what you need. Because we're in a battle, we're in a war, we're in a fight. And it's easy to look around because I'm sure today you have a lot more resources than 27 years ago. And King Asa made the mistake. He took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. At that time, the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. That's the challenge we will all face every day. That's the challenge every church will face. Who will we rely on? Will we rely on, and this is a beautiful facility. You are so blessed here. Will you rely on the lights and the, and the fog and the, and the sound and, and, and the beautiful voices and the instruments? Is that what we rely on or, or is our heart completely dependent on God himself? Because your future is not in this building. And your future is not in the music. It's not in, it's not in the style. It's not in the lights. It's not in the fog. It's not in any of that. Your future, my future, our future is in pursuing Jesus Christ above everything else. To have a heart relying on him because he is the one who holds this church. Now this church will exist in its future. This building isn't going anywhere. And a lot of you will keep coming, maybe on your way here. I grew up in a traditional church. On your way here, you drove by lots of churches that the building exists. People come to the building. But nothing's going on in the building. Because long since, God had, they had left their reliance on God. And I think there's a challenge that we face. Most organizations, it's kind of a, a predictable pattern. I, I like business and study business and still very involved in business in a variety of ways. But it's, it's kind of like this, and maybe you've seen it. You have your growth period, levels off, decline. Now, that doesn't mean... As I said, that doesn't mean that it stops existing. It just means it stops having influence. 
You live in a great community. I've always loved St. Cloud. We used to come when I was a kid to Hollenbeck Hall, and, and I have three older brothers, and I've watched so many basketball games there. And then, of course, I got old enough that I was able to play. We had our, back then it was called regions, today sections. So we played our, our regions at, at Hollenbeck Hall. So that was always revered because it was the first time you had square backboards. And then at halftime, yeah, they had, you know, because it was college, they had the statisticians. You'd have your, how many shots you took, where you took them from, and all of that. And so you have those warm, warm feelings about a, about a community. And, and now the, the community is thriving. I was just driving through my wife and I a couple weeks ago, and, and, uh, and we went to Sam's Club, and we're like, where, what is Sam's Club doing out in the middle of nowhere? And that just means your, your, your community and the areas around you are thriving because we were there and there are a lot of people at Sam's Club. That's a great Sam's Club. And, and so you're in such a great strategic area but face the challenge of are you up to continuing to move forward? Because what brought you here isn't going to bring you there. And that's a challenge we face, all of us. To continue to grow and change and live out what God has called us to do. To know who we are as a church. To know who we are as individuals. And to be faithful to run the course that God has for us. I say it this way. I heard a minister say this a few years ago. And right away, it was like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of, a, kind of an interesting statement. But the longer I go, the more I like this statement. He says, faithfulness is sexy. I don't know if that's okay to say that word in St. Cloud. <laughs> Maybe we're more liberal. We're, we're okay with that word because it, because it makes a point because, because we, are, we are people who are, who are attracted to sex. We're, we're created for that, but, but, and so we value it. But as I continue to follow the Lord, it's faithfulness. I see people who continue to day after day after day say yes to Jesus Christ and then collectively to come together. And as a church say, Jesus, you're what matters. Your plan is what matters. That is really sexy. For a pastor to see a group of people who say, Jesus, we're thankful for 27 years ago. We're thankful for 15 years ago. We're thankful for five years ago. We're thankful for today, but what do you have for us tomorrow? What are you going to do? Because he's going to do something. He, he died for this community, this area. And so you've already reached who you've, this kind of a, a, a oppressing statement is, you've already reached who you're going to reach doing things the way you've done them. And so the challenge is, Lord, what do you want us to do different? What do you want us to continue? What do you want us to change? And so each of us has to find out our place. Each church has to find out who they're called to be. I like this verse in Galatians from the Amplified. It says, but on the contrary, when they finally saw that I had been entrusted to carry the gospel to the uncircumcised Gentiles, just as definitely as Peter had been entrusted to proclaim the gospel to the circumcised Jews, they were agreeable. For he who had motivated and fitted Peter and worked effectively through him for the mission to the circumcised, motivated and fitted me and worked through me also for the mission to the Gentiles. 
In other words, God moves in us and fits us as individuals and as a church to who he wants us to reach and what he wants, who he wants us to be. Right there, if, if we won't take time to dive into it too deeply, but it's kind of ironic. Paul, the educated Jew, was called to reach the Gentiles. Peter, the uneducated Jew, was called to reach the Jews because God can do what he wants to do. And so we're just trying to find out, God, what do you want to do? Who have you fit us and moved us and motivated us to reach out to? And so for you, for us individually, but then collectively as we come together as a church, God, what's our emphasis? For, for our church, and I don't know if it's, if, if it's just God designing and placing me there, but growing up in a divorce home, I have such a, an incredible passion for marriage. I wish my wife could be here because she's, I, I, we've been married, it'll be 32 years this next month, and and. We had the sweetest day from day one, but it has gotten sweeter and sweeter. And this is not just, you know, because I know you have people coming in that's kind of preacher talk. And some of it's true and some of it's not. <laughs> but this one is true. And so that's kind of who our church is. We just love marriage. We love family. That's who we're fit to be. We love the word of God. And so Joy Christian Center has to find out who are you supposed to be. And you, you already know, you have ideas. And part of it is finding out who each of you in this room, who has God stirred your heart to be? What matters to you? And then responding to that and answering to it. Hebrews 12.1, and here's going to be our metaphor as we, as we continue on this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. In other words, there is something God has set before each one of us, and there's something God has set before Joy Christian Center. And then in 1 Corinthians it says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? See, it's such an odd dynamic when we, when we stand here on a Sunday morning because I'm the only one running, moving right now, but we're all in this thing. We're all in the race God has for us. We're all to run, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, Paul is saying there's a purpose, there's a, there's a value to every step we take, to every day we live. There's, there's a reason why we do what we do. So this morning, I brought with two batons. How many of you have ever run a relay race with batons? A few of you. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, in a race, in a relay race, Actually, they just, believe it or not, they just changed the rules in 2017, but there's a 30, in, in the 4 by 100, there's a 30-meter space that you can hand the baton off and the other person can take the baton, and if you hold on to it too long, you're disqualified. If you give it too soon, you're disqualified. If you drop it, you're disqualified. And so there's always these exchanges in a relay race. 
And in God's relay race, it's a little bit different because in that so-called 30 meter of space, you've got to hand one off and you've got to reach back and get a different one because there's no time to spectate. We're always in a race. There's always a transferring of batons. Now, you might hold the baton for a period of time, but to always be willing to pass it on. And here's the challenge we face individually, especially as a church. When we get a baton we like, we like to hold on to that thing. We like to guard that thing. We like to say, this is my baton. How dare you? I think of my, my own life, and, and uh, I'm 56, and so I don't know uh, uh, how much longer I'm going to be the person on the platform, but I know this, that baton, as long as it's in my hand, I am running. But I'm ready whenever the Lord wants to pass it off, because here's what I know. He's got another one. It's just a different one. It's just a different one. So that means until Jesus returns or we go to meet him, we're all to be running. We're all in a race. No spectating in the kingdom of God. There's a race that we run. And so some thoughts this morning. In the relay race, we need others. We need others to hand our baton to and others to receive a baton from. That's what's called the body of Christ. We're in relationship with each other, and it's for the rest of our life, and we have something. Each one of you should be able to. I mean, this would be, if you're walking in what God has for you, you should be able to say, this is my baton. This is what God has for me right now. I'm involved in this area. I'm reaching out to this group of people. I'm serving in this way. There's, I have something in my hand. If you've ever watched a relay race, it would look silly if they're, they're running, but there's no baton. Well, they'd be disqualified. There's something everybody is to have in their hand in the race that God has for us. And again, we're always to be ready to pass, and we're always to be ready to receive another one. Now, an interesting thing, when I was reading about how to do it well, it's really important. If you do it really well, you never take your eyes off of where you're going. You're just by faith reaching back saying, there's one coming. There, there's a, someone's going to hand me one, and, and then you get it. And so when you have the baton, you can see it, and you're passing it on, looking ahead, passing it on, and then you're having a hand behind. So there's an, always an element of faith in the race that we run, but it's so important that you hand off because if you've been involved in following the Lord for any length of time, you've had a number of batons in your life. I've done all kinds of things. I've, I've been a nursery baton. I've been a fifth grade Sunday school baton. I've worked with teenagers. For a fact, I, I still do discipleship with teenagers. I was a full-time youth minister for 27 years. Passed the baton on. After 27 years, been a senior pastor now for 18 years, been a husband, father, all kinds of batons in the kingdom of God. And you pass some, you grab some. Any of you are going, is that grandparent baton a nice one or what? 
I think the only complication, I still got the parenting baton. I don't know if, if that's the will of God or not, but we had kids late, and I had a lot of them. So, man, I've got, we're, we're in the throngs of parenting. I've got an 11-year-old, but then I've got that nice four grandchildren baton. It's like, wow, I think I'm going to really like that one. And that's, we all have something from the Lord that he's called us to. And we're all running, we're all working towards it. And to run that part and to run the race that God has called each of us to run. To not look back. Because every one of us has a part of our race that if we could run it again, we'd run it differently. Wouldn't we? We've learned. We figured something out. We're like, oh, wow, if I could do that over again, I'd do it differently. But you know what? You can't. We can only move it. Wouldn't it be interesting if you're watching a relay race and all of a sudden one of the prisoners stops, turns around, goes back and says, I'm going to work on that step again. You'd be like, they're crazy. Well, they'd be disqualified. So we can't go back. We can say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I wish I would have known then what I know now. But I can run ahead wiser, smarter, more effectively because of what I've learned. So we don't look back. We don't look around. We don't look and say, wow, what are they doing? Again, if you've ever watched a relay race, they are like zooming straight ahead. Because if you look around, you get distracted. And you're like, oh, man, I'm there and there. And you're comparing. And that's always unproductive. And then, of course, if you look down... It's, it's interesting. I go out hunting west with one of my, my uh, sons who loves to hunt, and uh, he's in his early 20s. And so in your, your early 20s, you are like immortal. And we walk, and we walk, and we walk, and we walk. In fact, right now, I'm, al- I'm already working on getting in shape to walk, because we walk a lot, chasing after mule deer and antelope. And so... So, and he's a little taller than I am, and significantly younger, and so he's not worried, because the ground's a little bit uneven, there's, you know, and so he's just running, so we have this deal, I'll catch up with you. (laughs) You just keep walking the way you want to walk, because then he's got to get the binoculars out and glass and see if there's any animals around, and and I'll I'll just catch up to you, because see, he's just looking up here, and I'm looking down because, you know, when you get a little bit older, it's like, it's like, you know, you just, just yeah, it's, it's like, man, if I, if I fell into that, you know, prairie dog hole, I wouldn't come out for a week. <laughs> I'd break, you know, three ankles and a leg and an arm, and, and, but he's just, he's just like this. He's like, where are they? Where are they? And I'm like, I'm looking down. So he's moving at a much quicker speed. And when we're running our race, we are to be looking up, looking to the author and finisher, to be be looking to Jesus and not down. When we look down, we get nervous, we get uptight, we get, because I'm walking like, I'm walking tentatively. Now, I have to walk kind of fast because otherwise I might not see him for, you know, till breakfast the next day. But it's just different ways, and God wants us to run when we're looking ahead into what he has for us. And to run this race well, because we don't know if Jesus is coming back today, tomorrow, 100 years from now. But I think you'd share my heart is whatever part you have in the 
race of God and, and being a part of this fellowship? I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if, if we fast-forwarded a hundred years and we could look down on your church and you'd see they are running. Because you know what? You handed the batons off well. You set the stage for success for the future, both the present and the future of this fellowship. By not looking back, by not looking around, by not looking down, but continuing to look ahead. My younger, I have, I have different tiers of leadership teams, and my younger leadership team, I said, I said this to him, I said, whenever I'm done, I will have made all the unpleasant decisions so that when I hand this baton off, you won't have to make any of them. I will have spent all the money that needed to be spent, all the upgrades. I said, I'll take all those responsibilities because I want you to run the next leg of the race fast, effectively, successfully for the glory of God. Because it's a big deal. There are people in this community who are born into homes like I was born into without Jesus Christ, without a witness. And someone in a church like this in Alexandria cared enough about teenagers, started to invite some over to have a Bible study. And two of my older brothers and myself, and then eventually my mom, after she became sober, were influenced by Jesus Christ because of one person, person running their race and now we've had the prayer. And, and it was such a beautiful move of God. There were, there were literally, I mean, hundreds of teenagers over the course of three or four years because someone said yes to God. And we all have that opportunity. What's God saying to us? What's our race? What's, what's the part that he has for us? Second Timothy 4 says this, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race and I have remained faithful. This verse didn't mean that much to me 30 years ago. But the older I'm getting, the more I'm seeing, God, this is what I desire. I want to fight the good fight. I want to run the race and finish it. I want to be faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. There's a prize for each of us as we run our race. There's a prize for the church as we run the race that God has called us to. There's a calling and a purpose on Joy Christian Center that you steward and are responsible for. And it's really serious. It's important what God is saying to each of us individually and to us collectively as a church. As I say, I say to my staff each year, we gather, kick off the year, and, and I'm sure they, one of my staff members has been with me 28 years, and um, the other one's been with me, well, he was born into our church, but he's been officially on staff for about nine years, and, uh, and then we have a couple others, and so I say this, each start of the year, I said, every year, if you're going to lead and serve in a church, it requires you to be all in. 
No passivity, no reservation, all in. I don't know if you Jesus says, I want all of you, not part of you, not some of you, all of you. Every day it's Jesus. I give you all of me because I'm in this race with you and for you. And the race requires all of us, our whole being to run it. The whole, everyone in this room is such an important part of the race. And so if you're not in the race, it's time to get in the race. It's time to know what, what your baton is. It's time to get in your lane because there's a lane set for each one of us. For some in this room, maybe you've been hurt, you've been offended, you've, you've gotten out of the race because your heart has been hurt by others, maybe by choices, maybe by just offense. And God wants you to know this morning, it's time for you to get up, forgive, and get back in the race because nobody can run your part like you can. So the ideal, if, if Jesus is looking down on this church today, and the ideal is everyone in this room with the baton running their part of the race, and we're going to see this community transformed more than it has been. We're thankful for what God has done, but we're looking forward to what God is going to do as everybody is mobilized for the race. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've never been in the race. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Good news is there's room in the race for you. Most of us in this room can identify the day we got in the race. We said, Jesus, I recognize I'm separate from you and I need you in my life. Forgive my sins and come in and transform me. And at that moment, he says, yes, I will. And he brings us into his family. He puts us in our lane and he says, now run the race that I've called you to run. Maybe some of you in this room, you've had a baton and you've liked it and you've run well with that baton faithfully, but it's time to pass it on. It's time to pass it on so someone else can run the next leg of that race. But here's the good news. God isn't done. As you're passing, you're reaching. What's the next thing? Sometimes we hold on because we're afraid. God, if I give that up, if I, if I surrender that, what am I going to do? Don't worry. That's where faith comes in. You release that and you receive this. You release and you receive. As individuals and as a church, that's one of the hardest things for us as a group of people to do because we've so loved what God has done. But if we don't release... And at the right time, we'll miss out in what God wants to do in the future of Joy Christian Center. And so I don't know what that means to you individually, and I don't know what it means to you as a church. Believe it or not, Brian was like zero help, Pastor Brian was. He's like, I just want you to come, boom, put down the date. Wonderful. Anything you want me to share? No, whatever you want. Well, thank you. 
Thanks for that direction. But I want to encourage you, if you, if you would, to just think about your own life now. Are you faithfully in the race? Do you know what your baton is? Have you allowed hurt to get in and offense to get in or sin to get in to sidetrack you? Today's the day to come out of it. And again, if you've never been in the race, today's the day to get in the race. But also too, don't, don't make, don't wait for someone to grab your baton, offer it faithfully. Surrender it to the Lord and then release it to whoever the Lord would want you to give it to. But then reach back and receive. So if you would, I want to pray this morning and then turn it over to Pastor Tim. Father, we thank you for this place. We thank you that, Lord, when you're in the midst of a miracle, you don't always know it, but Lord, it's a miracle to have a church thriving after 27 years. But amidst that miracle is an opportunity to thrive for 27 more years and beyond by faithfully running the race, by every part of this body getting in the race, getting in the right lane, passing the right baton on and receiving the next baton, Lord. Father, we thank you. Lord, your plans for this fellowship, Lord God. Pray for Pastor Brian, Lord God. Just give him a time of refreshing. And Lord, refocus. You've placed him as the head, Lord, that he would be ready to run as he's never run before, to lead, to be willing to whatever the passing and the receiving of baton would be for his life and ministry, Lord. And Lord, for these beautiful people, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We are in the midst of a room filled with rich people because of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.